Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 5 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Actually doing pretty well, man. Uh, it's a beautiful day out. Uh, Beth and I and the kids got out in the garden and we ordered some, gar- we ordered some uh, lawn furniture. Nice, nice. Yeah, so we put that together, and now we have a place to sit outside, which is so the kids can like run around in the backyard, and I have some place to sit. So that's huge for me. So not, that's very nice. Yeah, it is. Yeah, not bad, man. Dude, having an outdoor space to sit is. Uh, I, I remember because I've got a little like porch on my apartment, and for the first I don't know year or so that I lived here. I didn't have any chairs to put out there. Oh, yeah. I remember we would just sort of like lean against the windowsill or like sit on the, the balcony. Or yeah, the it, had, it the had sort of like a wide ledge that we would yeah. sit on. It's a very but, sittable ledge. Oh, sure. But, dude, I remember the day I got some chairs out there, it was such a game changer. Uh, anyway, Dave, you know what else is a game changer? Is this episode of Denji Sentai Mecha Ranger. Yeah, it is. Is kind of a game changer, um, or at least it's it's almost a game changer, and then it isn't. And that, in and of itself, is kind of a game changer. We'll get into it, Tave. But before we do that, of course, first is our officially award-winning opening segment. As always, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, our first star of the week, man. As it's been these last couple of weeks, it's time for isolation update. Isolation Update. So, Matt, how is your how's your shelter in place going, man? Um, dude, I am still in place. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Watching still... some more uh watching some more Clawhammer banjo YouTube tutorials. So that's okay. doing some of Dig that. It. Yeah, how's the banjo going? Uh, yeah, I'm learning a couple of chords. I'm getting some calluses on my fingers. Nice. You know, that's so the way to be- do it. Better than zero. I will say that. I am like I I am definitely better than I was when I picked it up. I still don't know how to like play a song. But I I am getting a better feel you know, for like Matt, you the gotta, thing itself. Uh, you got to walk before you can run, Matt. Got to walk before you can run. I hate uh, that. Things are going. That's, I know. That's the thing about learning stuff is I want to learn everything, but I hate being bad at things. You know. Yes. Yeah. No. 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 It's the worst. I think that's probably why a lot of people don't. Why a lot of people don't learn things is like be- you've got to suck at stuff first. Sure. Like before. Then- before I ever picked it up, it was possible, although unlikely. I'll admit, it was possible that I was just going to be like, oh. Oh, it's just this? Oh, sure, I've got that. You were going to be like an anime genius, but for banjo and that. Right, right. You know, I do love the. Every, every time the, I l- try to learn a new thing, it's just crossing one more thing off the list of stuff that I'm not an anime genius about. It's, and it's eventually so I'm going to get to the bottom of the list and it's all going to be crossed off. And you're just going like, to realize. 
<laughs> I'm just a regular genius. Yeah, it's such a shame. Um, I think the problem is, is that as you get to be an adult, like when you're a teenager, right? I think... I think teenagers have a slightly easier time with this. Listen, teenagers have a hard time with a lot of things, just like with this particular thing, they're all fine. Is that like teenagers are sort of expected to suck at things? Like that's yeah. part of the cultural idea, right? Like, oh, you're a teenager. It's at, I have problems with it at school because I teach like honors kids, and they're like, I can't make a mistake ever. I'd be like, no, it's fine to make a mistake. That's where you learn. But like. As an adult, the idea is like, oh, well, like, as an adult, you figured things out. And so there's a lot less space to, like, suck at, at stuff, which is absurd, right? Like, if you've never played banjo, why would you know how to do that? Um, I do love the juxtaposition in anime, because there is a really hard one between, like, like, the chosen one genius and, like, the dude who just, like, works super, super hard and the thing that I dig about it is that anime cannot decide which one they like better. I know I'm. It's like an absurd to create like a zeitgeist or like a, a monolith out of this, but like anime, like as a genre, cannot decide which one it likes better. Like the dude who works really hard or the natural genius. I think like ideally you're a genius that also works hard. Sure, sure. Which is to be fair, that is the ideal. Right, like the ideal is that you are a genius that also would work really hard. Like that is the best version in real life. Right, but um, but instead, what you get is a lot of like Naruto versus Rock Lee. Yeah, uh, right? yeah. Well, is anybody not on Team Rock Lee? You know, don't answer that. I mean, you can answer it, Matt. But if anybody's not on Team Rock Lee, like I don't even want to hear from you. Um, I hope I haven't just alienated like a huge portion of our fan base. It doesn't seem likely, but Rockley is the best. Like Rockley is amazing. Uh, anyway, Dave, I, I, I honestly don't have a lot more to say about Naruto um, because I have barely watched it. I'm just sort of I, I'm making that reference based on cultural knowledge, not personal experience. Um, I hear it's a great show, but Dave, how's your isolation going? It's going okay. It's going okay. Um, a few days. This day was very good. This was a very good day. Like, it was very productive. The sun was shining. Like, we went and did things. The few days before this actually were like, boy, howdy. Uh, they were pretty rough because, like, it was really – it was cold. and It was just, like, wet and rainy. And so we were, like, stuck and then, like, also stuck in the house. Like, you couldn't do anything. And, uh, man, dude, I I feel for people who are, are quarantining. I mean, like, you in an apartment. And uh, now, admittedly – Per person, you know, there's there's probably an, a semi equivalent amount of space. But it I does, was going to say, is, yeah, like I have I have less square footage, but it's not being divided by a number of people in my house. Like I have the whole area. Yeah, but you know, like there is there is something to be said mentally. I think for being able to just like move from like one space to another space. Um, That's why I. It used to be when I would work at home, like when I had a day where I was working at home. I would sit at my desk sometimes, but I would also, like, go and sit on the couch and, like, put a movie on while I was watching stuff, while I was, like, answering emails. Yeah. Now, I do not do that anymore because I need to have the mental break of, like, I am done working at my desk in my room, and now I'm getting up and moving to the other room and sitting down on the couch. No, that makes a, that makes a ton of sense. That's, that's totally, totally legit. Uh, but anyways, today was great. It is starting to get, like, it, it is starting to get surreal, man. Um, I was sort of, like, mentally, 
I don't want to overplay this. That like I'm not keeping it together. Like I'm fine. But um, it it has started to get like kind of. It just started to get really weird. And then I think in a sense, like, you would think we're like, oh, it should get less weird as time goes by. No, like, when it first started, I was like, oh, like, this is a thing. And, like, we're all doing it together. But now, like, weirdness fatigue is set in a little bit. And now, like, it's just, I don't know. It is starting to get kind of funky. But the weather is changing. And that, yeah. I think, is, is I, really going to be huge. I feel like that sort of, that specific feeling for me has been going in waves and I think that I'm a little bit on the other side of it right now because as we've mentioned like you are home with your family and I'm home with me and my banjo so like I feel like I descended into madness a little more quickly but then sort of like bounced off that like lower bedrock a little bit and now I'm just sort of like now you're cruising a little bit. Now I'm cruising a little bit. I'm like, okay, like this is just my life now. My yeah, life see, is I in, my life is like inside this box with my banjo and my Animal Crossing friends, and like that's just what I do now. It feels like I'm a little bit behind you. But um, speaking of video games, Matt, what is our second star of the week? Dave, our second star of the week is a video game that I got right when it came out, and I played it for a little bit, and then I kind of stopped playing it for a long time it is super mario maker 2 i you know i played super mario maker 1 a little bit and i kind of bounced off of it because what i wanted was like a functionally infinite supply of mario levels and what i got was like puzzle traps and that was not as fun like i just wanted to play mario yeah i and i think maybe we talked about this on the show back a couple of years ago back when that game was out uh, and we were both I, playing. I it think then. we did have a fairly extensive conversation about it, actually. Yeah, but um, I like the same holds true with Mario Maker Two because I think that people discover as they try to make Super Mario levels that it's actually a lot harder than it seems to make a good Super Mario level. Mm, yeah, like, yeah, making... like you think and be like, oh man, you just throw in like some some thwomps and like some pipes and like you're good to go and it turns out there's actually like a lot of design theory behind right, the like, Mario level. Right. Like there is a reason why people get paid money to do this and it's a real job and it's not just like a thing you can knock out on a Saturday. So like in because making a like reliably fun open level is difficult, it is I think it is although very labor intensive easier in some ways to create something that's like one very controlled experiment. Mm -hmm. Like like you can only like it's very hard to get from point A to point B and you can only do it in one way, but like the level is designed in such a way that like you have to learn that one path and do it as opposed to a real Mario level which is just like a platformer level with like a bunch of different right. things yeah, that you yeah, can yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So, like, you either have, like, music box levels or, like, death trap levels or, like, things that are unnecessarily cruel or sometimes, like, really fun, inventive things that use the game but are not really, like... Not, right, like, they're not actually Mario in that sense. Right, like, they've used the mechanics of Mario to, like, set up a pinball game somehow. And, like, mm. it's a very impressive technical feat, but, like, it's not Again, really it is Mario. not actually Mario, right. But, but here's the thing, Dave. They have introduced a new function to Super Mario Maker 2. Okay. Which is that now, not only can you make levels, which is you've always been able to do, yeah. but now you can make like a world map. 
And oh, you can because previously, okay. previously you could only make like single levels. Now you can make a a bunch of levels, place them all on a world map that you construct, and then chain world maps together. So you can make a full eight world like Super Mario oh, Brothers okay. game. So now you really are like you can just full on design. Right. So I think that what is what I hope will happen. And I, I did actually play through somebody's full eight-world game the other day. Um, and it was really interesting because they made it all out of Super Mario 3 levels. Okay. Except weirdly for the very last one, which is a Super Mario Brothers 1 level. Um, but, like, the whole thing was just, like, in the Super Mario 3 engine. And as I played through it, like, I felt like I was getting to know... Like, what design quirks the guy who made it, like, liked or disliked or, like, tended to lean on and stuff like that. It was a very interesting experience because, like, they had sat down and made, like, eight worlds of this game. And so they really had time to, like, try everything out. Um, anyway, it was that super is, fun. That's super, it's super kind cool. It's really interesting. There's also a new power-up in the game called the Super Mario Brothers 2 Mushroom that turns you into the Mario from Super Mario 2. So you can, like, pick things up and throw oh, them and, like, okay. like oh, crouch very, down very cool. and do a super I jump. It's very fun. Uh, anyway, yeah, so, like, if, you, if you're one of the people who bought that game and you haven't picked it up in a while, check it out. Dave, what is our third Star of the Week? So our third Star of the Week, Matt, is Produce Delivery, and um, I'm getting a lot of my produce delivered um i'm just kind of vamping here because this was your star about produce delivery yes it was i had looked away from the script thank you for vamping um (laughs) produce delivery dave so i i as i mean i'm a big fan as i've been sheltering in place i've been uh, exploring the wide world of getting stuff delivered normally i don't get a lot of stuff delivered because i like going to the store yes i've got a grocery store down the street i like to walk down the street and pick up my groceries and walk home it's very, like, it's a fun part of my day. Uh, oh, Matt, real quickly, this is not a, sorry, I'm, I'm diverging from the joke here. This is a really true thing that is actually valuable information, I feel. And I'm going to share it with you and I'm going to share it with our listeners. Okay. If you are doing grocery delivery um, and you are trying to not use Instacart because Instacart is run by terrible people and uh, they don't treat their workers very well, there is another service called Dumpling. Um, and if you just search for like dumpling delivery, uh, the website is dumpling.us. Dumpling is a service. We're not, I'm, this is not like a, this is purely a PSA. I know this sounds like I'm doing a bit from like a, I was going to say like Dave, a paid advertising Dave, thing. This you is somehow not. or have like wrangled a paid advertisement from something and have kept it from me and are now doing it on the sly so you can keep a hundred percent of the, the money from it. I, I, I will find out. I think you should applaud me if I was that. No, it's, this is not the case. I'm just really telling you because this is what we've started using. And the cool thing about Dumpling is that um, they are just a sort of like connection service. Uh-huh. Um, and they get like a small, uh, they get like a small commission basically. But they are just a connection service between like you and a person who is doing their own business of personal shopping. Oh, so, um, yeah. So, like, the people that are on Dumpling are very much more, like, really, like, they're setting their own hours. They're setting their own prices. Dumpling as a company is, like, way more transparent than Instacart. Um, they are, like, they're, they're really, really great. Um, so, use Dumpling and not Instacart. 
That was that's the whole PSA. Matt, if you want the information of the person that we use to do our shopping, she's actually over on the west side. Um, but she does deliveries for us because like her very first delivery, Beth gave her like a mask and like a bunch of hand sanitizer and stuff. And she's like, you guys are great. I will deliver out to you and you only on the east side. But if you want her name and number, well, I'll get it to you. Okay. Anyways, continue the joke. Anyway, um, the, the, uh, the thing that I've started using is not so much a like you choose things and it is a grocery delivery service, although I am also doing that. Um, but I signed up for a thing. This is something that exists in Ohio, and I think that different versions of this exist in other places. But the one around here that I signed up for is a it's like a weekly or biweekly produce delivery box from a company. Like a, like a CSA kind of? Yeah, it's like a CSA mystery box. Okay, dig it. And basically, the, the company is called Perfectly Imperfect Produce. And the way that it works is I think they have buyers that like go around and pick up like the factory seconds of produce. Nice. Essentially like after the big grocery stores buy like the carrots that look good, these people swing in, they're like, well, that's a perfectly good carrot. It's just like weird and lumpy, but like, you know, it's a carrot. And so they buy it sort of on the cheap and then you subscribe to it and they just ship you a box of like, here you go. Here's 20 pounds of produce. And you just open it up. You're like, well, I guess I have four banana peppers, a head of cauliflower, some grapes, uh, two tomatoes. And it's just sort of like a random assortment of whatever they have. And then they'll also like send out like recipes that include things that like like they got that week. And I, I think they also have like a philanthropic part where like every box, like for every pound of produce that you buy, they like donate something to... Uh, they donate food to like a local food bank or something. Oh, that's awesome. So it's nice. And I also, but the thing is that like, I am an okay cook, but I am not a cook who immediately knows what to do with four banana peppers and a head of cauliflower. Okay. So I am, uh, I am having to sort of explore my options a bit more, uh, which has been interesting. Right on. No, you know, that is actually one of the best things about um, years and years ago, Beth and I did were in a CSA. And it was, it was sort of that same thing where like you just got stuff and you just sort of had to figure out what are you going to do with like X or Y or Z. Um, it did. It really kind of stretched us. Anyway, Dave, uh, speaking of cooking, what is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star of the week, Matt, is recipes. It actually, this, this flows really naturally. Uh, good planning on your part. The fourth star of the week is recipes, Matt. And conversational and was, transitions are my art form. Uh, you're 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 a master, Matt. Uh, what else can I say? Game recognized game. Anyways, here is the here's the thing about recipes. Um, there are a million internet jokes about how recipes on the internet are terrible now, right. because it's like it's like a Victor Hugo novel, and then you get through that, and then at the end of it, it's like here is mama's recipe for like potato croquettes or something. Right. Right. Uh, so. And even if the recipe is good, just like finding it on the page is a pain. That's yeah, the source like it's of just, a lot of internet jokes, which we like, will not reiterate here, I guess. Yeah, we, we don't need But like it has gotten, it's gotten to the point, Matt, where like I have not, like I've stopped doing it. Like I don't go on the internet anymore for recipes. Like I'm just back to using cookbooks. Like, I have a bunch of cookbooks, 
and I used to like I used to reference them all the time. And there was like, oh wait, there's a ton of internet recipes on the internet. I can just like type in real quick and I'll get it, and then I can just use that. And now, like, it's such a monstrous pain to get recipes off of the internet. Like, it is that, easier like, to open up the joy of cooking, flip to the yeah. index, find the thing you're looking for, and open it up than it is to search through a page and like fly, like close all the pop-up ads and you know get yeah. through the stories about people's grandparents dude like this is dad when mom and dad were visiting like eight weeks ago or whenever it was um when mom and dad were visiting dad was like trying to find some recipe and he was like you know he's like on his phone and he's getting like increasingly frustrated like he's getting angry in my kitchen about about like exactly the thing we're talking about they're like he can't find this recipe it's a story about like you know like mama and the war or whatever <laughs> and i was just like well what do you want a recipe for and he told me what it was i forget i was like two seconds man and like i just yeah i just walked over and i got the joy of cooking i was like here it is like here's the recipe and he was like oh yeah and like you could see like in the interaction because i had this moment with myself he was like oh yeah right Oh yeah, cookbooks. There's a reason that we have those. There's a reason we have those. Yeah. So I've now to really fully employ this strategy, um, you do want to have started collecting cookbooks like twenty-ish years ago, um, and just have like a full shelf of them at this point yeah. would be an ideal spot to be in. See, the problem is that I have bought more cookbooks for you than I have for myself. Ooh, yeah, that is well, thank you. Thank you're, you. You're very welcome. That. So uh, the, I have I have one instant pot cookbook, which is actually pretty good. Um, and then also weirdly, I have a very nice copy of the Vincent Price cookbook, the like Master of Horror Vincent Price. Oh yeah, dude, did you not know he has a cookbook? I did not know this. He has an excellent cookbook. Like, like does it, it have anything to do with like his work as like no a horror has, director? No, nothing. No, it's just a very good cookbook. It's just a cookbook that he wrote, and it's very good. Okay, so real quickly. Here is, this is like a, this is, I guess this is like a PSA heavy episode. If you don't have a lot of cookbooks, like if you, so Matt, here, I'll just tell you, since you don't have a lot of cookbooks. Start with the Scoffier. Dude, okay. Do not start with the Scoffier, actually. I own a copy of a Scoffier. I know, I bought it for you. I know. It's a great cookbook, but it's, if you were, it's like, it's useless if you're not already an excellent chef. But what if you need to know how to make the master sauces, Dave? <laughs> Here's the thing. His recipes are just like, step one, make like, make chicken consomme. Like that's step <laughs> one. So if like you don't already, and he tells you how to make chicken consomme, but like it's not in that part of the book. It's just like step one, make consomme. But then he doesn't tell you where in the book to find it. Anyways, don't start with the scoffier. Here are the three cookbooks that you need to own. Ready? Joy of Cooking. Like, if if you don't own Joy of Cooking, like, buy a copy of Joy of Cooking. Joy of Cooking is, like, the number one go-to. Like, if you have to restart civilization, like, buy, get a copy of the Joy of Cooking. Like, it handles everything. Like, it, t- it teaches you how to dress game, if you need to know that. And the other two cooks are both by the same guy. They're by Michael Ruhlman. Get a copy of Ratio by Michael Ruhlman. And uh, it, it is just... The whole book is about like the like here's how you make a cake every time. Like it's this amount of egg to this amount of flour to this amount of milk, like blah blah blah. So he doesn't give you measurements, he just gives you the ratios for like a whole bunch oh, of very interesting. Good stuff. It's a great book. And then the other book, like I said, is also by Ruleman, and it's called Ruleman's Twenty. 
And it's like, here's the 20, it's like a walkthrough breakdown with recipes of the 20 uh, ingredients and techniques that form the foundation of like 90% of food or something. Yeah, I, I remember hearing him interviewed about that book on NPR, I think. a couple. Of, like, this was years ago, right when it was coming out. Yeah, Because uh, Rollman is from the Cleveland area, so I think it was like on our local NPR, NPR affiliate. Yeah, I've I've mentioned that like every once in a while, like I see him, but I don't want to like <gasps> Mike Roman about it. But yeah, he lives um, right around me. Yeah, and it's it's not twenty ingredients so much as it is like, and some of them are ingredients, but it's like twenty concepts, like twenty ideas that you need yeah, to like, like fully of, grok. Like one of them is like salt, right? And one of them is time. I like not the ingredient, yeah. just like the idea of how to manage your time while cooking. Yeah, so like it's kind of conceptual, but like if you can get those if you can get your hands on those three books, um you'll you'll be pretty sorted. Uh what Matt is our fifth star of the week. Dave, fifth star of the week, uh and I'll keep it brief uh cuz I a we're we've been talking for a while and B I did talk about this a bit on an upcoming episode of Spectre and I don't want to like double dip too much. Um there was recently, because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of, like, celebrities have recently been doing, like, oh, a bunch of famous people get on a Zoom call and record it and you can watch it as they all, like, sing together or whatever. Right? Yeah. Well, there was something like that. It was just one person, though. It was set up by, I think, Esquire or, like, Esquire UK specifically. Okay. And it was Pierce Brosnan... Watching, being live streamed, watching Goldeneye. Okay, but but with no, I'm sorry. That part, that's fine and that makes sense to me. The part that is blowing my mind is when you said that it's just one dude. Like it is just Brosnan, like he does not have a co-host to talk to. Correct. He is sitting at his computer at like, he's in Hawaii. I don't know if he has a home in Hawaii or if he's just like there uh but he's just sitting at a computer in a hot like three seasons room in hawaii where he can't open the doors or else you will hear all the chickens clucking around outside watching goldeneye apparently for the first time in 25 years by himself his children have set up the computer for him he's not entirely convinced that like the recording is still working he keeps like, oh no, like moving his face close to the computer and like, oh, oh, I hope this is still working, Esquire. I really don't want to have to do this again. Oh wow! And this, like, this sounds like a disaster. Like I only ended up watching about half of it. Um, I feel I kind of want to watch the other half at some point, but you can tell in the beginning he's like pretty energetic about it. He's like, yeah, this movie was very important to my career. I haven't seen it in a long time. Ah, oh, there's Sean Bean. He and I are still good friends. Blah blah <laughs> By blah. By important to my career, I think he means. Does anybody else know that I made other movies? I mean, hey, he had been in a multi-season TV show right before that. Uh, that's true. Thomas Crown Affair is good. Um. Oh wait, what was the name of that show? Remington Steel. Oh, that was it. Remington yeah, that was that was the the thing that he couldn't get out of the contract for, which is why. Timothy Dalton was James Bond twice. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Anyways. Anyway, so like, but you can tell like 10 minutes in, he's like, this was a mistake. I am bored. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and like some like you would get questions coming in and sometimes he will just straight up say like thank god for these questions <laughs> There's like something to talk about. Oh, oh, oh man, Pierce Brosnan. Does he have, still have that excellent facial hair? No, he. I mean, it's he was hot in Hawaii. I think he shaved maybe for that, maybe before. He did have this great like swoopy Van Dyke a little bit ago, though. Yeah, no, it was it was very very good. Uh, anyway, I mean, if you've never heard him interviewed and like don't know his sort of like standard anecdotes, it's fun because he recounts a bunch of those. Um, but generally, it was just like, just watching a man, like, just for an hour watching a man, like, grow to increasingly regret his decision. <laughs> <laughs> the golden eye is still great. It was really funny watching this scene where, you know, there's the scene where James Bond and, um... Xenia Anatop have, like, a make-out wrestling match in the sauna... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now that you're now that you're saying, I wonder if he had forgotten about that scene because once it hit that scene, he just started talking about a bunch of other stuff. He was like, "I'm not." He did not say, "I am not going to offer commentary on this scene," but he very clearly like started talking about other topics when that scene started, and as soon as it was over, he's like, "Okay, Robbie Coltrane, he's great in this movie." No. <laughs> Anyway, Dave, that is our five stars. We are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode five of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called Finish It. This is an underhanded battle. Written by Junki Takagami. He's back. Original air date, March 14th, 1997. You can watch along on the DVDs or at shopfactory.tv. And I recommend you do, because as always, Mega Ranger, still good. Uh, Anyway, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So this episode starts with the board, the board of directors of INAT, which, if you recall, is like the organization that has created Mega Ranger. Yeah, uh, being justifiably concerned that they have made a killer robot the size of a building. And it is being piloted by five high schoolers. Yeah. <laughs> like, Dr. Kubota, you've made a very bad decision. And he's like, no, like, they have potential. And they're like, that does not matter. They are children. Like, you and... cannot give children a laser sword the size of a commuter train. <laughs> it's just, there's laws. We have to have laws. There's got to be regulations about this. And so they're like, listen, here's the deal. Uh, we are going to turn Galaxy Mega over to to this other dude, to this uh, Dr. Toyokawa, and who arrives immediately. He's like already, he must have been like already there as this call is happening. And so here's, here's the deal. Dr. Toyokawa is a programmer. Like that's his thing. We are going to find out later that he is the father of... What is it? Combat programming or something? The, the, the father of like strategic programming or something. Yeah, it's, it's something tactical like that. programming. Tactical programming. That was it. So basically, the INN director said, "Like, listen, Doctor Kubota, um, you're clearly a madman because you've <laughs> given our murder bot to to teenagers, and so we're turning it over to Doctor Kurikawa, and he has written a program 
So we're not going to have a live pilots for uh, Galaxy Mega anymore. It's going to be a computer program that will handle it. And then you guys are just going to be... What's not clear to me is if they're sidelining the Mega Rangers entirely. I don't think they are. No, it do, I don't believe that they are. Because again, they have neither the time nor the resources to create new... Um, mega, mega suits, Mega I suits. Think. Um, dig- digitizers. Digitizers. That's what that's what it was. They don't have the time or resources to create new me- digitizers, and those have already like been DNA mapped to our heroes. So they're like, okay, they, like for like those five will continue to be like our child soldiers, but like they'll be our shock troops, and then when things get serious, then the computer brain takes over. Yeah. So um, he's like, Doctor Kabuto says, and this is a key element. He says, no. This, this is a very bad plan. He's like, I recognize like they're teenagers, whatever. He says, but Galaxy Mega was designed to like evolve along with its pilots. Like, I have no idea what that means. Like, it's a robot. Yeah, it's, it's one but of those like, things that like, I feel like I've heard of this kind of thing in like mecha anime before. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. this is definitely something that like, would feel very at home in Gundam Wing, right? Yeah, you know, I am suddenly... I wonder if there is sort of like a cultural vibe if you are like a historically Shinto nation where like that kind of makes a little bit more sense to you, right? That like, yeah, it's a it's a robot, but like there's a spirit. Like, you know, like it has an essence to it that can grow and change. That may be it. I mean, honestly, they were not thinking this way in 97, but, like, in 2020, that... Oh, yeah, it would just be, like, nanobots or well, something. Well, like, the thing is, like, that's, like, machine learning, right? Yeah. Like, like the reason that all CAPTCHA is asking you to, like, locate the cars and the traffic lights is because, like, self-driving cars will need to know where the cars and the traffic lights are, but, like, their computer brain hasn't looked at enough of them yet to just recognize them on site. So they get you, a human, to click on the thing with the car or the traffic light... And tell the computer, like, that one's a car, so that eventually it can put together a large enough database of, like, car knowledge that it yeah, can recognize Yeah, I remember it. being, I remember being just, like, totally gobsmacked when I realized that, like, that's what it was doing. Um, and, like, anyways, honestly, like, Galaxy Mega could work like that, right? Like, the... Oh, yeah, maybe so. Like, the, the way that the, like, there are humans operating it, and it sort of, like, is, has enough sort of, like programming flexibility or whatever to like machine that it's like absorbing and yeah oh okay yes no i dig that a lot matt uh head head canon established man that's that's very very good so um dr covid is like listen here's the deal like you can't do this like i i see what you're trying to do but it's going to be a disaster and they're like well actually we can do that and then uh dr toyikawa comes in and he's like instead of imperfect humans Galaxy Mega will be piloted by a perfect robot or a perfect program. And then one of Dr. Kubota's subordinates just gets like immediately and extremely violent. Uh, it's Mr. Tachibana. He, Thank you. This is his like second in command. We, we met him in the first episode or two. And he just like grabs Dr. Toyakama like by his lapels and starts shaking him. Um, and then we have, dude, this is a super, super rad shot. Um, basically what they do, you know that anime shot where... Oh, this is in my notes too. I know, where you can... Someone's wearing glasses and you can see them and then they shift their head a little bit and their glasses go completely like mirrored out because of like the angle of the light. 
uh, and it looks like real cool and like ominous and mysterious. They managed to set that shot up in the live show. Um, it looks boss. It's very good. Um, see, Mr. Tachibana attacks him. Oh, I have in my notes that Tall Steve stops Mr. Tachibana. Um, Wait, did you name the black guy Tall Steve, Matt? That's the thing, is we don't have a name for him yet, but he's been in every episode. <laughs> and then until, right, such a, until such a time as they give him a name, he's just Tall Steve. All right, yeah, Tall Steve is definitely there. Because the he ep- speaks uh, English, actually... and so I'm giving him, like, an American name. The episode actually opens up with Dr. Kubota and Tall Steve, uh, like, going over some footage of Galaxy Omega beating uh, Chameleon Nazare. So we go from there. Tall Steve is all a, over this episode. He is. So there's a, a car driving into a quarry. We're trying. We don't. We can't see who's in it. We find out Dr. Kubota's down there, and what it actually is is it's a test. It's like a test run of this program. So they've called the Rangers in. I'm not actually sure why, but Dr. Kubota's there. Um, Dr. Toyokawa is there, and they're like you know, sort of figuring this out. Ko hops out. He's very proper. He's like reporting for duty. And then Shun sees Toyokama. And he's like, oh my gosh, Toyokama. Like he's this guy. And that sort of exposits it for the rest of us. Right. Because Shun is all about programming and everyone yeah. else doesn't care. <laughs> and then, uh, so they do the test. And what it is, is the Galaxy Omega is there and they shoot like simulation beams, which I guess are just like fake out lasers. And they have the program running and he straight up like uses galaxy or mega saber to like Jedi those laser blasts. Uh, he's fine. It's very cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a great thing. So the Rangers of course are confused. They're like, wait a minute, who's piloting like our big robot boy. Who's our favorite guy. They're like, there isn't anybody. It's the program. Uh, and they're like, so are we fired? And, and Kubota hops, out, hops in. He's like, no, no, no. This is just a test. Do not worry. Go about your day. Um, like, you guys are still the best. Right. Uh, Dr. Terry Kama kind of was like, sure, man. Fine. Um, so, like, Koichiru is upset about this. And Dr. Kubota obviously is not into it. Kenta and Miku are fine. They're like, yeah. dudes, honestly, we're not great with machines. Um, and Miku is like, yeah, if the like if someone else is handling the Galaxy Mega stuff, I can like go catch a concert. It's nice. Like this is it good. It would be kind of nice to have s- my afternoons back. And, <laughs> and Dr. Kubota, because he's been obviously he's been standing up for these teenagers and saying that they should really be doing it. He feels really bad. And then um and then not Miku, but um uh, Chisato. Chisato, thank you. So Chisato turns to Miku and, and Kenta's like, guys, it's like, <laughs> dude, could you not be awful teenagers? Like, come on. Um, so, like, Dr. Tokuyama looks at them. is like, honestly, like, these kids understand this situation better than you do, Dr. Kubota. Like, they're right. They're not prepared for this. I am. Like, send them back to school. We're moving forward like, with this we're, plan. We're going to do it. Uh, we jump from there to the Nezare dimension, and we've got uh, Nezare Chameleon's arm, and Dr. Hinalar and, uh, and Uganda and Shibalan are like, it's, path- it's terrible, it's pathetic that Chameleon lost. And they're like, well, it's the Mega Saber. Like, they basically have a, they've got this, like, incredibly powerful sword. We don't have anything that can deal with it. Like, that's just, like, that's it. Like, what are we going to do about their, like, 
god sword, like their cheat mode god sword. Right. If we could find a way around that one move, we could beat them. It's just that we can't stop that sword. And then they're looking at the arm, and they realize that there's like a sliver of metal stuck into it. And it is like a shard that has like cracked off the blade, I guess, of the Mega Saber during the last fight. So yeah. now they've got a piece of the metal that the Mega Saber is made out of. And, they, yeah. and they're like, okay, we can take this alloy and we can like program it into the DNA of our next monster. Sure. And then Why not? it'll be invincible against the Mega Saber and then we win. Perfect. Which is, listen... That's an extremely good plan. Yeah. Uh, so we go from there. So they do it. We don't know what the monster is, but they're about to do it. We go from there to the high school. And uh, Kuichiru and Shun and uh, Kenta are there. And Kuichiru is like, listen, I don't care what you guys say. We're doing this. Right. And he gives them both uh, like a bam- ca- practice uh, bamboo kendo swords. And he's like, if we're going to get Galaxy Mega back... We need to, like, train. Yeah, like, we need to learn kendo. Like, we're going to learn swordplay. We're going to the kendo club. And Kenta is like, first of all, no, that's dumb. Second of all, even if I was going to, our kendo club sucks. Right, like, this school, we come in last place every single time. Why would so we like, train with those idiots? Right. So that the <laughs> there's, a, there's another great anime like camera angle right here because like obviously the kendo club is standing right behind him but as he's saying this. He turns around and like of course the kendo club is all wearing all of their like kendo armor and holding their uh, kendo swords, and like the 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 camera is Kenta's point of view. And the lead kendo club guy has, like, the kendo bamboo sword, like, facing, like, directly into the camera. It's, like, this, like, forced perspective shot. Not forced perspective, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, foreshortening, and, I guess. It, it's it's uh, the yeah, sort of shot that you actually can is the term that you want. very easily imagine in an anime. So he's like, hey, you can't say that about us. And then just attacks Kenta with his sword, which is definitely not okay, because, okay, guys, confession time. Matt and I did have these. We were not in a kendo club. No. We, we just... were just at a martial arts store. And we're like, these look rad and cool. And so we got them. I still have uh, mine. I probably have mine around. I don't know. I feel like if I had it, it would be in the house. It's probably at mom and dad's place. Anyways, uh, they had to, and those things hurt, dude. They, like, there's a reason those dudes wear armor. This, it is very easy to like break someone's knuckles. Yeah, like no, no question. So they just attack Kenta, and it like they get in a few licks, and then Kenta just sort of like turns around, grabs the sword, pulls it away, and then just starts like punching and kicking. Like Kenta's whole fighting style is sneak attacks and nut shots. Right, but it is shockingly effective. Yeah. And he just like beats up <laughs> these four dudes and they're all lying on the ground. He's like, see, it, I don't think he says, see, I'm right, you're an idiot. But in my head, that's what he's saying. He does give a look to Shun. Like these guys had swords and I still beat all four of them up. These are not the guys to train with. But they get an emergency call from Kubota. So they're all... Uh, the, I'm sorry. Uh, the girls run in. They're like, hey, emergency call. And then they all run around the corner. And they hench in. And they go up into space. So, 
Oh, I'm sorry. They don't go up into space. No, they go to they a go volcano. To, I thought they were going to go to space. I was trying to be a little predictive with my notes. They, they go to a volcano where there is a worker who is injured. The injured, yes. wor- the injured worker says that... This is... Hold on to your hats, guys. You're about to find out some stuff about volcanoes that I bet you didn't know. He says the control system has been destroyed. So now the volcano is in danger of erupting. The con- yeah. Uh-huh. They, they got a the control, control system they got a con- for the volcano. They got a control system on that volcano? Yep. Yes, it's yes. And they're like... No, I'm not a listen. volcanologist, Dave. Um, is that a thing? It didn't. Listen, it man. doesn't feel like a thing, but they say it so confidently in this episode that I came away like, I don't know, maybe there's a control system. I am. I am fairly certain that there is not. In fact, uh, I think volcanoes remain one of those one of those parts of nature that just like mankind does not have any way to deal with, except like run away from it. It's like a million tons of like liquid hot stone. Like, what are you gonna do? Well, you you install um, a control system. I guess, yeah, you should. I have Matt. I I only have one fun fact about volcanoes. I'm sure I've told it to you. Okay. Have I mentioned it on the show? I I can't immediately recall it. Okay. Here's my one fun fact about volcanoes. They're called volcanoes after the Roman god Vulcan. Vulcan. Sure, god of the forge. Right, god of the forge. Uh, except in Greek, they are not called volcanoes. Are they called? They are, they are called Hephaestoi. Of course they are. <laughs> I know. That's Isn't that a great, that's my one fun that fact about volcanoes. So anyways, uh, they're like, listen, we're trying to repair the control system. And then you see <laughs> their repair team is like three dudes and like one of them has a toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're trying to get guys up there to repair the control system, but we can't because there's a terrifying shrimp monster. So there's a terrifying so shrimp monster up there. He's got some there, henchmen. Would, to be fair, and then he is a, yeah, so it's Shrimp Nazare, and uh, he's a shrimp man. And there's some, uh, d- dure, what would I call it? Dure, dure, dora, dora, something like that. Anyways, so they're up I there. Don't know. It always takes me like five or six to between five and ten episodes to learn the new putties' names. Yeah, so... Uh, Especially in this show, because I feel like they haven't been around that much. Weirdly, no. Like, Dire Ranger, the first, like, five, six episodes, the Katapoteros are all over that. Yeah, and then the Wumpers also make a lot of appearances. Yeah. Whatever, whatever these guys are called, they're, they're not around a lot, but they are here, and they're beating up these, these uh, scientists... Volcanologists, I guess. I don't know. Technicians. So uh, the rangers show up. These are just the control yeah. guys. So the rangers show up, and, and they're trying to fight. Shrimp Desiree does have, you can see, like, they sort of focus on it, and they did a little bit with a paint job. He's got one, like, very strong claw. He has one, like, super claw, kind of. And I get the vibe that, like, that is, like, his, like, mega saber claw, kind of. So... Yeah, so they they get up and they're they're fighting. Um, Kenta does this bit where he's like fighting with one of the like the mooks, and he like he does like this little like elbow drop move that's fun. Um, but it's it's a pretty it's a pretty quick fight because Shibalina shows up and immediately is like, "Hey, uh, Shrimp Nazare, I need you to retreat up to the crater, and BBDB is going to make you huge. We're not dealing with this fight. We're just going straight to we're going straight to the big time." Right, because, like, this is the plan, right? Like, what we want, actually, is to fight Galaxy Mega 
So, because Shrimp Nazare will, like, destroy him. Right. So, he goes giant, and uh, and it works. Like, they just summon Galaxy Mega, like, immediately. And Galaxy Mega flies down. They radio down to Mega Ranger, and they're like, good job, guys. We'll take it from here. Like, install the autopilot program, and let's just destroy this thing. Yeah. So they do. They, and... like, go into the cockpit, and they plug a 3x5-inch floppy into its brain. Uh, it might have been a zip disk. It looks a little more hefty than a 3x5 inch. Yeah. And um, they're like, this is rad. Uh, we're going to do it. Oh, man. This is <laughs> this is the amazing thing. Is They say specifically that, that they're going to install the program, which seems like, did, did you guys not install it before now? Well, okay, here is my, I'm going to headcanon this, Dave, is that the Galaxy Mega is also the Mega Ship. And so if you install like a fighting autopilot disc into its brain, maybe oh, like... it would then, the ship would get... Like, yeah, it would like make... Thrown off somehow? It would make like the Mega Ship not operate correctly. So they have to wait until it's Galaxy Mega and then and install then, the disc. Okay, all right. Not your best work, but I'll take hey, it. you know, listen, I, I'm only working with what they can give me. Right. So anyways, uh, they sort of fight, and then uh, Shrimp Desiree does do this rad thing where it's like a claw boomerang. He sort of, like, hooks his hand, and it's like a high lie. Like, actually, what it looks like is a Guile Sonic boom, and it sort of, like, yeah. spins out there. But then uh, Galaxy Mega, like, catches it on his sword and, like, whips the energy back at Shrimp Desiree. It's extremely um, good. Like the, it's crazy the pr- good. The program not bad. Yeah, not it's, a bad. Pilot. It's quality. Uh, so the the mega uh, galaxy mega closes, but like oh dang, mega saber's not working. Bum, oh bum, no. Bum. Uh, he gets it, shrimp Desiree gets in some shots with big claws. Galaxy mega's going down. And Doctor, remember, Doctor, they're all in there, right? Like, like Doctor Kubota and Toyokawa, like they're all in Galaxy Mega, right? Like Tall Steve lives there; he's got a bunk. <laughs> um, so Doctor Kubota's like, see, like this is exactly what I was talking about. Like Galaxy Mega should be evolving with its human uh, pilots. And your program can't adapt. Right. Like, down on the ground, the Mega Rangers are watching this happen. And they're like, well, doesn't Galaxy Mega have any more, like, secret weapons or anything like that? Like, clearly the sword isn't working. They need to change tactics. But they aren't. Because they can't. Yeah, like, Kubota talks to Tokuyama, or Toyakama. He's like, dude, can't you change the program? And Toyakama looks at him and he's like, the program is correct. Like, it's perfect. Like, it's just that, like, I had, like... I was given the wrong variables. I wasn't. I didn't know that their armor was going to be this strong. There's nothing right. wrong with the program. There's something wrong with reality. So, man, if that's not like a computer programmer thing to say. So, anyways, um, <laughs> things are bad. The screen obviously. pops up with the. And uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, what is it? I, I wrote this down. Opportunity of conquer zero percent. Oh man! So Dr. Toyokama just looks at that. And dude just, like, turns around and starts walking away. And Dr. Kavodas is like, where are you going? Like, we're in the middle of this thing. And he's like, oh, no, 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 man. The computer told me um, we cannot win this fight. So, like, I'm out. And Kavodas like, 100 people are on this ship right now. You can't just leave. 
And Dr. Jacob was like, I think you'll find that I can, in fact, just leave. And he does. And he just does. And so uh, Dr. Kubota's like, we got to get the Rangers in here. We flash down to the Rangers. They see, apparently Galaxy Omega has like an escape pod. And uh, they see it and they're like, oh man, Dr. Toyokawa must have just like uh, bugged out. Dr. Kubota, back in Galaxy Omega, says, all right, like I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to disable the autopilot. Right, so I have to go, because I have to get up to the cockpit to unplug it, because as long as that's installed, like, the rangers can't get in and, like, start piloting them themselves. Right. There's no, like, so manual he's like, override. You just need to unplug it first. Dude, Dr. Kubota. Amazing. Rushing in. He's, like, running up. His, like, subordinates are, like, trying to hold him back. They're like, no, you can't. He's like, no, I believe in them. And he, like, throws them all out of his way and, like, rushes up. And, and like, uh, stuff is blowing up around him. And, like, oh, steam man. is shooting in his face. He, uh, he gets up to the cockpit and he's doing, like, the... The sort of Star Trek next Star Trek thing where like you just flail over and pretend that the screen is shaking. Uh-huh. And uh and then <laughs> side note, Matt, have you ever watched uh stabilized videos? Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. So he gets up there and he's like desperately he's like hitting buttons and uh and like pulling discs out and stuff. And, like, he looks up and he sees through the visor and, like, laser blasts are coming down. Oh, and, and then, like, right... And at this oh, point, man. Galaxy Mega is, like... Like, the fight has gone against Galaxy Mega at this point. Like, the oh, program yeah, was sorry. continuing to try to keep it going. But at this point, Galaxy Mega is, like, hanging by its fingertips on the ledge of the volcano crater with, like, lava coming up underneath it. Oh, dude. Uh, yeah, like, sorry. For- and Shrimp Nezere's giant claw is about to, like, come down and hit it in the face and just knock it into the volcano and everyone is going to die. When at the very last second, like, Kenta is there and he hops in the cockpit and he, like, you know, grabs the sticks and just, like, punches Shrimp Nezere in the face and knocks him over and they can, like, scramble out of the volcano, which I guess the program had not considered. Um, yeah, dude. It's well. The program is designed around like the highly efficient use of Mega Saber. Right. It's like why not? Um, and then there's a there's a rad fight, and the fight is basically just a repeat of <laughs> like Kenta had with the with the Kenta yeah. guys before. Yeah, Kenta He's like, gets in the time cockpit. to unleash. Yeah, he says time to unleash Galaxy Mega's secret weapon. And and, Ga- and then and even Gal- Doctor Kabota gives him a look like. Do we have a secret weapon? Well, apparently, Dave, Galaxy Omega's secret weapon is kicking a shrimp man in the dick five times, headbutting <laughs> him, tearing off his, like, antenna things, stabbing him with a laser, and then throwing him into a volcano. That is his <laughs> secret weapon. You've got to admit that. It's extraordinarily effective. Works great. Shrimp Nazare was not prepared for that. <laughs> Nobody was. And like, yeah, of course, like the program did not account for dick kicks. Yeah. So like, that's it. They win. Everyone cheers. Uh, um, Shibalena is super mad. She teleports back onto the Nazare dimension. Uh, everyone gets out of Galaxy Mega and goes over to meet with Dr. To- to- Tokayama or Toyakama rather. And, no, not even that. Toyokawa. Yeah. 
someday I will get these names right. Not this guy, because he's never going to show up again, hopefully. And it, and to their credit, they do not say like, hey man, uh, thanks for almost getting 100 people killed. 100 people slash all of Earth. Right. Um, they just say like, listen, can you now see, like, did you see that fight? And he says, listen, I did see that fight. It looked like a bunch of thugs brawling, which upsets um, the the Mega Rangers. He's like, but clearly it was effective. I can see now what you mean by their potential. Like, this is now back in your hands. I'm going to go back to the board of directors and report back and let them know that, like, I guess your stupid idea really is the good one. Or it's... It's the best one, at least. Right. But like, we will we will reinstate. Turns out, reinstate yeah. the Rangers. Turns out, these high schoolers are our best chance. Yeah, uh, and then they're all like, "Hey, Doctor Kubota." Doctor Kubota's like overcome. He's like very. He's you know he's verklempt, and uh, <laughs> he does even in that moment. Uh, Kenta goes to like pat him on the shoulder, and Doctor Kubota's like, "Don't, don't touch me." <laughs> <laughs> and then Kenta's like, "Let's go eat." And then Dr. Kubota's like, no, we are all going to go eat. Not you. You eat too much, I guess. I don't know. And that is the um, end of the episode. And it's a very good is... one. And Dave, here's... Okay, before we get into the Creature Royale, um, which is the last official segment, we used to do a bit called uh, like High Point, Low Point, I think. Oh, yeah, we did. I, I don't have a low point, but there is a like episode-wide high point thing that I want to talk about before we finish up, which is this. I think that this episode does two very smart things. Especially because it's early in this season. And they are this. Every season, like, there are sort of standard questions that you find yourself asking. And the questions are stuff like, why do they let these high schoolers do this? This is clearly a bad idea. Yeah. And also, like, why don't they just use the sword every time? Like, what, like, you know, the sword clearly always works. Why don't they use the sword every time? And this episode sort of, like, anticipates those questions and answers them very quickly. They're like, well, A, you have to use these guys. And B, it's actually the best choice. And then also, not only do you not ha- always have to use the sword, sometimes you can't use the sword. So, it, like, right. in later episodes, when they don't default to just hitting them with the sword every time... You can, like, mentally refer back to this and be like, oh, yeah, because sometimes you need to throw them in a volcano. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, it is. It's an excellent, excellent episode. Anyway, um, now, speaking of episodes, we are nearing the end of ours, but first we need to determine where Shrimp Nesri lands on the Creature Royale. Well, you know, Matt, so I've been looking around and I was trying to figure out if there was any other shrimp or even crustacean-themed monsters. And astonishingly, there haven't been that I can find or remember. I think that Thunder was vaguely crab-themed, wasn't he? Yeah, kind of. I think he had pincers, at least. So we've got a tarantula. Anyways, I don't know. Okay, so here's the deal. I like Shrimp Nazare. Yeah. I think Shrimp Nazare is cool. There's a handful of reasons. He's got a cool look. Yeah. It's not a complicated look. It's just Shrimp Man. That's the only look. Yeah, it's just Shrimp Man. But, like, he manages to be fairly menacing with it. But, like, Shrimp are, like... Shrimp are only not menacing because they're small. You know? Oh, yeah. That's why I don't 
yeah, yeah, Matt, have we not talked about that? That's why I don't eat, I don't eat crustaceans. What, you're worried they're going to take it, like, get revenge? No, 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 man. Like, I just don't eat anything that could have an entry in the monstrous manual. That's fair. That's kind of where I go with it. So, like, if it were larger and it had an entry in the monstrous manual. So, like, bears. I don't eat bears. They're in the monstrous manual. I don't eat wolves. They're in the monstrous manual. Uh, There's literally a monster. I mean, Dave, I know you've eaten a gelatinous cube. Okay, yeah, but not like a sentient one, I guess I would say. I actually made, Matt, speaking of, I made some bomb oxtail broth the other day, and it is full-on jelly. It's delicious. Anyways, uh, yeah, there's literally a monster called a troll in Pathfinder, and it's just like a lobster thing. I don't eat anyways. So Also, they're gross. They're giant ocean bugs that eat, like, they're bottom feeders. They're disgusting. Anyways, okay. um, I I dig Shrimp Nezra. He's got a cool look. He's got a rad claw that does like a guile sonic boom energy attack, and his skin is made out of mega saber metal. Right, like that's a good monster. He almost exploded the volcano. Yeah. So here's here's what I would say. He's a great monster. Um, he's not in the category of like, oh, this was like. Actually, it was a very good episode, but for some sort of like meta reason. He, he is say. a very good monster of the week monster. Yeah. So I I would say that puts him up in like the 60s, 70s range. So like spot number 60 is CC Chaco, the bug collector. Just below him is Kama Itachi, the sickle weasel. Um, I don't think he's quite quite up there. Um no, let's see. Barra Hacker got punched in the internet. Yeah, you know, actually, man, I'm I'm looking. I said 60s. I think that's actually that's way too high because as I'm as I'm going through these 60s and 70s and even at like 80s, 90s, 100s, these are all like really great monsters that have like a lot of personality. Uh it's once we get down like past like the one one tens or so. Yeah, so, okay, number 135, P.P. Rapa. He was a dude who, like, threw giant numbers at people, and those numbers exploded. Oh, he's definitely better than P.P. Rapa. He's better than, I I think we can jump him up to a few. Um, I I don't know, man. W.W. Warichio was, like, a cosmic asteroid miner bird man with a jetpack. Okay. That was pretty good. Okay. That's that's legit. Barra Police was just a policeman that was bad. Okay. So he's better than Barra Police. He's not as good as WWE Warichio. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty good spot for him. There you go. Shrimp Nazare number one thirty three in the creature royale. Right on. Well, that is going to do it for another episode of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. If you want to rate or review on your podcast listener app of choice, that would be very nice of you. That would be cool. Or tell a friend. That's another thing you that can do. That would be do. even better. 
Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. Big up.